want to see you standing. You look so good. Tell somebody, you are looking good today. Now tell them you didn't mean it. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Okay, are you ready for the word? Okay, you can be seated. Thank you to all of our guests. I heard you guys had an off-the-chain uh, Friends Day last week. And are, are there any friends in the house? Yay! Look at there. Yay, yay, yay. Well, the rest of you, are you enemies? Okay, if you're a friend, are you a friend of mine and a friend of God and a friend of triumph? Amen. Well, we're glad you're here today. Thank you for being here to all of our guests. And um, I, I am going to share the word with you that's in my spirit. And I, uh, uh, when you're ministering something for the first time, you're not really sure how it's going to come out because this is fresh. And um, you're getting the, you're going to get the very first off the press out of the oven this morning, okay? So I, um, I pray that the Lord is going to bless you. I always like to share a backstory of where I'm coming from. And I, we are so consumed in this society right now in our world with the atrocities that are taking place and happening around the world globally in our, the nation in the schools even in church houses and um, just in every city and neighborhoods there's just such an unbelievable um, murders division divisiveness on every hand and I know that the answers are supposed to be within the church of the living God. I know God is the answer. I want to be salt. I want to be light. I want the people that we are leading to be equipped to be that. But we are not there yet, but we are, we are striving for that every single day. And I hope today that we can re, re, be, or be revisioned with the Word of God and with the vision from God and somehow we can get some possible answers to move our life forward in this horrific cultural, political, every, every kind of division that, and divisiveness and economic war, every war known to mankind is happening among us right now. And so because of that, I, uh, the, the division that is everywhere. I mean, no agreement anywhere. You, we, we have had so many choices for so long. We can't decide. We change our mind three times if we want, uh, uh, if we want chicken fingers or chicken nuggets or chicken. And then we divide over that. No, we don't like that. No, this one, that's, just, that's not even real chicken. You've got to get this in. I mean, you can't even breathe about any subject without there being division. I, I've never seen, our, I, I know it's always been here, but it has escalated. And because of that, I know that the Word of God says where there is strife, where there is strife and division and divisiveness, there is every evil work. That's what the Word says. I didn't say it. That's what the Word says. So my heart today is to talk to you about some of this. So the, the title of my message is an old title that people used, and I didn't get on the, the, the train, the bandwagon back a couple years ago when everybody was preaching on the power of one. And, uh, but I'm going to preach on it today, the power of one. And I will talk to you at the beginning. It is not the priority or the crux of my message at all, but I want to I want to at least get it in your spirit again and remind you of who you are and what you are and what you are capable of being. I'm contending for the faith. Are you contending for the faith? I'm contending for the faith and I will not give up. I'm believing that we can do what God's called us to do. I have hope that this world is not going to, hand, to hell and that we are going to be able to triumph. I have hope in the church. I have hope in God. I have even still hope in our nation. I'm believing that we can be and will be light and salt in the earth. And I'm believing God will revision us with his vision and cause us to 
have the word of reconciliation in our spirits. That is my heart. So because of all that, that's why I'm preaching this. Now, if you'll turn with me in, in the word to Ephesians 4, 13, till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. I, and if, if that didn't go over too well, turn to the other side and say, please grow up. Grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. In other words, that of which I play a part is bigger than the part I play. Did y'all get that? That of which I play a part is bigger than the part I play, but I have a big part to play. Okay? But there's a bigger part, but right now I'm going to talk about your part for a few minutes. And then we'll get to the bigger part. It says, but every part does its share, causing then there to be growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. Ephesians 4.1 says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseeks you to walk worthy, say walk worthy, of the calling that you were called to with all lowliness and gentleness. And I'm going to read you another uh, transliteration in a few minutes that says, by uh, humility. And long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Peace is huge. I won't get to that today, but don't forget that peace is huge. It is a key. It is what is released. And if you can't feel peace in situations, there is no harmony. There is no oneness. There is no power of one that is taking place. So, I want to talk about the power of one, as you have heard it preached, I'm sure, in the past, the power of one person, what God has placed in one person. You've heard it said there's one in every crowd. Oh, my God. But usually it's from a negative connotation. There's one in every crowd. You know, it's going to be the one that always speaks their mind. You know, you can count on them to always speak, speak their mind. And while everybody else is standing, staring at the floor, they're saying something out of place, out of time. You, you know those. I know there's some of them probably in here right now, but don't point to them, please. There, there's one in every crowd. You know, it's kind of like the person, if you're a golfer, all the golfers in the room, I've heard them say, say before, you know, it's that one that when they're televising the professional golf game on television worldwide, and right when the professional golfer is just about to make his swing, someone uh, hollers out as strong as they can, and they Start, I think they say in the hole or something like that. I mean, stupid stuff. And, uh, and everybody's just sucking wind for the next few minutes. Now, there's always one in every crowd, and there's usually one in every family. Just saying. Except your family. I can tell you there's one in mine. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but, there, it, but you know, it's, it's distant out there. But there's usually one. I, I want to talk to you about the positive one. That may have a negative connotation, but there is a positive one. And let's look at some of the powerful ones in the Bible. You know, somebody like Abraham, who was the father of many nations. He's the one that, you remember, the one that multiplied the nations, and he went to a place he did not know. One man made a difference. He is the father of our faith because of it. One man. What about, I mean, there's people like Joshua. You remember Joshua? That said, look, I don't know. You don't think we can take the land. I think we can. And then it goes on to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was one man, Joshua. It goes on and on in the Bible. There was, there was uh, Mary, of course, the mother of Jesus that said, look, be it unto me according to my word. What if it hadn't been for that one person? Mary, just one person, and we can go on and on. Then we can get to people that are overlooked at times, like the little boy with the sack lunch that fed 5,000 
uh, without the women and children, his little sack lunch? What if he hadn't stepped up to the plate and been the one? That's why I hated The Matrix when it came out, because it took two mov movies for him to figure out he was the one. <laughs> you know, somebody has got to figure out you're the one. I, I know that there's a lot of ones in here, but right now I'm talking about the one. So if you're the one, say, I'm the one. I'm the one that has been called out, anointed, appointed. What about Noah, who built an ark? And from him, the all of humanity came from his three sons, one man that stood in the face of all of the naysayers and built a safe haven, built a saving place. It it's, it's just goes on and on and on. And lest we forget, there's always Adam. Do you all remember Adam? God did everything he did through one man. He created Adam and all of humanity he drew out of that one man, Adam. And, he, went, and uh, he did it out of the very loins of this man. And I believe that really all he needs, we can go into the New Testament with Paul and how he changed cities and the disciples. But what, what he needs is one man or one woman who is able to commit themselves to his power, empowerment, to his principles, and to his word, and to believe it, speak it, see it, and say it. I want to give you a, a quick little thing that I live by. Um, when, when I am trying to advance my life forward, and when I am trying to invoke and to activate a principle in my life or a revelation that God has done first, the faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God comes through and is always applied and is always, um, it, it has to be looked into the Word. If you have a Word that someone gives you, that can be a Word from God. But it always has to line up with the written Word of God. So faith comes by hearing, and it can be a prophetic word. It can be an ongoing rhema word. But the Word of God allows faith to come into your hearing. And when you hear it, then you have to envision it. It's not enough to have the vision. You've got to envision it. You've got to see it with your eyes. You see it by the eyes of the Spirit. When something comes to you, then begin to see it already done before it's done. See yourself already doing it so you envision it. And then if you can hear it, then you can see it. And if you can say it, it's not enough to hear it. It's not enough to see it. You've got to be able to say it. You've got to be able to speak it because our life follows our words. Uh, if You may be following the wrong sound if your life's going in the wrong way in your life. I'm just saying if you want your life to go in the right way, speak the vision of God. Speak what God has over you. And we, then you can hear it. And then you can see it. And if you can say it, you can be it. Say, be it. I'm going to be it. So that's, there, there are too many examples in Scripture to, to, uh, for us to take all of our time today doing that. That's a wonderful message. It's not the priority of my message today. But there, there are modern-day examples of incredible people who by just one person has changed so many things from Mother Teresa, Rosa Parks you just go on and on and on it's unbelievable if you believe that God has invested in you his empowerment in greater works than even they did in the New Testament shall you do then you can carry out the vision and the will of God in your life but that brings me to my next part of this message because I don't want it to just be individually doing the will of God. Although, I will end up with going back to probably the most important thing. So, I'm kind of starting at the end and I will finish at the beginning. Now, don't get upset because Jesus does that. Just saying, okay? So, it brings me to this next message. And I'm going to give, I'm going to read to you a text from John that may seem a little weird but uh, it'll make sense as we move along in the next few minutes and it's from John 20 19 this is after Jesus has died been in the grave and risen and he appears to the disciples I, I, I want you to get that there is a next dimension of the power of one not just one person and I want you to see this in its entirety it's that next level that we have to go to in a corporate one 
are one nest. Okay, so John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, they were fearful, they were afraid. Jesus just appears, stands in the midst of them, and he said to them, Peace, be still, or be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. But Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If, you're, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The 24th verse goes on to say, and I will read it in a minute. But let me just let me read it again now. Now, Thomas called Didymus, who is the, called the twin, if you're in the New King, called Didymus. The twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So Thomas is missing out on something. Have you ever missed out on, uh, you know, a, a service and somebody wants to come tell you how great? Oh, my God, you have missed it. And you didn't. You should have been there. You, and there's one, takes a wonderful, I, I mean, the, the technical assistance that we have today is incredible. But there's nothing like being present. Present, here. Y'all remember that in school when they called your name? Uh, Bobo Johnson, here. Sally Madison, here. Renee Clark, present, here. I am here. So there's something about being here. And when there isn't, when you aren't there, then something is missing. So there is, there is something that, um, that I have found in Scripture in, in the wholeness and the completeness of God that I want to show you in the next few minutes. You know, the very nature of God himself suggests this. And in God's own belief system, he is, he is about the power of one. In fact, over and over, he says things like, I and my Father are one. And he, he says over and over, he talks about one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Just who he is depicts the divine truth of wholeness, of completeness, of, of, of integrity. Integrity meaning wholeness and completeness. And so I suppose the word that we would use today would be unity. But I didn't want to just throw that out because then it's, oh God, here's another message on unity. Everybody get together. We got to all say the same thing. We all got to look alike. I'm not talking about uniformity. I am talking about unity, and it is a huge, vast subject in the Bible. But there is nothing I know needed more in this earth, in this nation, in the church of the living God than wholeness and completeness and unity. Listen what the scripture says in John 17, 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me. And in I and you, that they also may be one in us, that the world will believe. That the, what, is, what is the characteristic and the identification here? That the world may believe that you sent me. 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are the power of one. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I want us to go here because this is the next part I want to talk to you about. Five, uh, Second Corinthians, if you can turn there in your word, I'd like for you to do that. We're going to start in 17 and go through the 20th verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I love that word. We used to call it creature, and I was looking around for the creatures in the church, and there were a few. No, I'm just saying. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But now look here. Now all things are of God. Now here's this thing. This word that I'm about to talk to you about, it's called reconciliation. It's called reconcile. But here is the crux of it. This is the mother of all mothers of it. This is the beginning of it. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation? I'll look the word up for you. I'm going to define it for you in a minute. But it's up to us to do what he has done with himself. It's up to us to do that. Move, moving forward. Next verse. That is that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, 
not imputing their trespasses to them. Let me just make a statement right there. That is the disqualifier of us being a reconciler. If you are imputing trespasses to people, then you are judging. You are not a reconciler. It's time for us to be reconcilers to be in, in, and has committed to us the word, the word of reconciliation, which tells me now that it's not just enough for us to have an attitude, but we got to speak it. We got to walk it. We got to talk it. We've got to be healers. It is up to us to find everywhere there is brokenness. Everywhere there is brokenness, everywhere there is brokenness, God has assigned us as ambassadors of reconciliation to heal the broken places. That's what we're to do, not divide, not divide. And now, I, you, and don't, go, don't get ahead of me because you think you know where I'm going. You don't. You don't have a clue. Just hang on. I got a surprise for you. you so, here we are this, the, in, in the Word. The Word of God is so clear. And Paul uh, addressed this. And it's up to us to address prejudices and divisions in the earth today. It is. I will not get on any issues today. That is not what I've come here for. I have, a, uh, I have something that transcends issues that I want to talk about. It's an issue of the heart. And I will deal with that. But I cannot talk about reconciliation and unity without mentioning the three major prejudices in the earth. And, and they are, Paul said that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. That's racial. There is neither bond nor free. That's socioeconomic. There is neither male nor female. There is a difference. But in Christ, there is only one in Christ. And so we have to address those issues. But we are an ambassador of healing brokenness in broken places. And an ambassador is one who represents a kingdom from another place. Not this kingdom, but his kingdom if we are in Christ, if we are part of the body of Christ. Now, I want to readdress this Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. The priority of one, the power of one is revealed here. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul is saying God is the one who's called us to this new life, this new vocation, and this calling demands us to have a new way of living, to be one with God, to be one with His body to be reconciled to be complete in him and he used some parables like when he wanted to illustrate this 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 um completeness he used do y'all remember the woman that lost uh, she had 10 coins and she lost one and she swept the whole house looking for just the one and here's the deal yeah it is the power of one but it's also another dimension I want you to get here. It is valuable if you find the one coin, but not nearly as valuable as if you can find the set and get the one back in and find the one that is lost. And so Jesus talks about that. Then he talks about this woman. Uh, he, he talks about the 99, leaving the 99 and going after the one. If something is missing, then go and find it. There's something valuable about the one, but there's something even, even that excels when you find the one and get it back in the hundredfold, into the fold, into the... It, it's kind of like, okay... I'm going shopping today, and I'm just going to buy one shoe. And I get up the counter, and they're looking at me like I've lost my mind. What do you want? Well, I could only afford one today. What good is that one going to do? It's a wonderful shoe. It's gorgeous. But, man, there is a principle in here. Now, unless I just have one foot or one leg, and that could, could be the case. But for the most part, you need the completeness you need the whole. And here's what happens is we have individuals, individuals, and individual, and an individual. And God is saying, I want you to be complete. I want my body to come together and form. Oh, it's kind of like the power of one to the power of 
in. It is an, it, because God doesn't divide, he multiplies. He multiplies. And when we unify together, something happens. So there's something so important. Jesus really depicts it as the very identifier of who we are in the earth. It's the identification of the kingdom of God that's stamped on us. It is our passport. It is our reason for being in this kingdom because we are ambassadors. The last thing God needs this world is needs in his kingdom is more hypocrites. Now, I know if you're a hypocrite, I'm glad you're here today. This is a good place for him. But I, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll get healed because, you know, People that aren't really whole and complete and really don't have the vision saying something out of their mouth but are not truly healed in their heart and in their spirit sometimes, sometimes causes even greater divisions. So it's imperative if we're to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus that we share it and that our walk matches up with our talk. We, what, what we say is what we do and how we act it out. It determine, and, and I know there are a lot of people that say, you know, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It does matter what you believe. It absolutely does matter what you believe. You can be sincerely wrong, my friend, but this is a confession of ignorance. It does matter because what you believe determines what you will do. It determines how you will behave. And so our belief system has to be lined up with the Word of God. We have to unite together to win a lost world. And God always uses these triads that I've used over and over in the last few minutes. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body, one spirit, one hope, one body, one spirit, one hope. Above all, in, through all, and in you all. And over and over and over, God uses these. But this is a scripture that is a foundational scripture for us. It's from Psalm 133.1. I want you to get it, highlight it. I hope you have it in your spirit. I won't be able to totally dissect it today, but it is a cornerstone scripture. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in Unity. Do you know that unity is not uniformity? It is not sameness. It is not just alike. No, no, no. And people say, you know, God doesn't see color. That's crazy. Of course he does. Why would he have made color? I know I've made that statement in the past thinking I was going to make somebody believe. I am not prejudiced. God doesn't see color. And I don't either. Yeah, right. That's, I, I, I meant right, but it's really wrong. God does see color. God sees differences. But the thing is, the difference is the entrance that Satan will use to divide. But it is also the place that God will use to call synergy for his kingdom. It is the place of entrance, difference. So we're not sameness, we're different, but we're still one. Say we're one. So behold how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. And there... God commands the blessing. Now, that is the only place in Scripture you will find where there is a commanded blessing. You will find places where there are principles where you will receive the blessing. But this is the only place where there is a, a, a commanded blessing. Oh, my goodness. If you could just look at Babylon, look at the Tower of Babel. If that doesn't speak to what can happen, even it, though it was negatively motivated, because the kingdom of darkness and kingdom of light, they operate on certain principles. But when one perverts the other, then the kingdom of darkness can only do and only try to reproduce because the devil is not a creator. Did you know that? He cannot create. He can only try to make things look like what God has created. Are you with me? So, what must, so here we are. What must become one? What is divided? One nation under God. What, what is divided? There is this thing called reconciliation. And I did write that definition down. I, I, it, 
definition, to bring together, to restore harmony, and our action, making a vision or action compatible with one another so as to speak one thing. That is reconciliation. So quickly, I want to go over. This is the next part, and then I will get to my primary today. Not that any is lesser or more than the other important, but today my message I will end with that should be the priority for me today. But I have to mention these things because we're talking about oneness. So what is divided in the earth today? Pretty much everything. But there's races and nationalities, and I've talked about that already, that God has called us to be healers and reconcilers and do not impute do not impute trespasses, but only become a healer of broken places. Wherever the devil can detect a difference, it's an opening for division. I've already stated it. I want to say it again and again. Wherever the devil can detect a difference, it's an opening for division. So there is healing that has still got to take place. But there is... Uh, there is a unity that has to come in the body of Christ. I can tell you we won't defeat it in Washington. We won't defeat it globally until we can defeat it in our hearts and in the church of the living God. That is where we have to defeat it. It is an ugliness. It is a hatred. And God hates it. But God is desiring that we be one. We be one. We be whole. We be complete. There's gender. Now, I, uh, God took, Adam from, uh, took Adam's rib and, of course, made woman. God used the difference in, in woman to make his masterpiece. And, and, that, and I'm just, I'm, mm, let's see, how can I address this today? When a, when a man and a woman is married, they become one. You know that, according to the scripture in Genesis, they become one. Did you know there would be no need to become one if you're still the same, if you're both the same. Just saying. I, I, you know, I'm just saying a few things. I'm not really trying to get in issues. They can deal with that later. But this rainbow thing just messes me up because God's promise, God's promise, that's our promise. God said, go replenish the earth. Take dominion. Replenish the earth. Make more. And the only way you can do that is man and woman together. They are the only ones that can reproduce. I'm just saying, that's our promise. That's, that's all I'm saying. But if we can get this, it, it makes sense why, why marriages are even breaking up. Because we can't get into unity. We can't get into harmony. We can't get into one mind, one accord, one spirit on, in one place. And, you know, I, I learned something way, way late into my marriage. And I wish I'd learned it sooner. But there's sometimes I give up. There are many times I give up my opinion so that we can have unity. I give up, okay, I give up the right to be right all the time. Are y'all... Joseph Garlington said something years ago. He said the Lord spoke to him and said, do you want to be right or do you want to be reconciled? So I'm asking myself, Renee, do you want to be right or do you want to be reconciled? So I am always saying I want to be reconciled. Now, it may take me several hours, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. No wonder, but there's a divisiveness. But there's a divisiveness that wants to come in and destroy because where there is that divisiveness and that strife, every evil work starts coming out. And when you divide in your vision, when you divide in your vision, that's how you get division. When you get more than one vision, that's how we get divorce because the visions become separated. And God wants to bring us back into agreement. So you got that. Moving on quickly, the next one is generational. Age, we're dividing. There is divide. There is a huge divide. And the, they call it the generational gap. It's up to the people of God to bridge the generational gap. This church has a mandate on it to bridge the generational gaps. For years we preached about it. We talked about it. We went all over the country. Man, we had a revelation. Oh, never realizing we were going to live it. We are living it now that there is a synergy that needs to take place. The synergy is two or more things working together in order to create something that is bigger or greater than the sum of their individual parts. Again, that of which I play a part. 
is bigger than the part I play, but there's a synergy that takes over, that things start multiplying. If one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. If the entire body can get together, if the church of the living God can get together, there is no demon in hell that can stop us. There's nothing that can stop us. Jesus, help us. I am so far this generation. The Word of God says in Psalms that one generation will praise the, uh, uh, the other. They will praise each other. There's going to be an absolute turning of the fathers and already is. Back to the hearts of the sons and the fathers will be restored. There is a generational completeness. Why? Because God believes in wholeness. He believes in completeness. It's the very nature of who he is me and my father are one and you must be one as I am one so I don't care how many generations you are spanning right now I have about five that my hands are out this way and this way that I'm getting my arms around but it's up to me to be the reconciler to find any brokenness and begin to heal not to divide further but to heal. And so I will be a healer of generations in Jesus' name and a reconciler. I hope you can be a part of that too. And then I'm moving quickly because I just want to touch these things. There's this uh, tongue thing, you know. Uh, that's, that's another divisive thing. And that's another area where we're divided. And, but that God wants us to speak the same language. He said bitter and sweet cannot come out of the same. Are y'all with me? And so we, we can get in a unified seemingly place but then this issue this divisiveness starts coming up and and James said I mean that this thing right here is the most unruly member of our body and it can cause more divisiveness than you can absolutely heal in a lifetime by yourself because it's unruly and it sets up it sets a whole forest on fire it starts all kind of stuff and Jesus said look there are six things I hate and the seventh one I abhor abhor and it's that he talks about all the things he hates and they're terrible horrible things but there's one that I abhor which is intense hatred intense hatred and that is one who sows discord among the brethren one who sows discord what does that mean? Well, they're speaking something different than the unit is speaking, than the whole needs to speak. So now we've got a breach in the gap. Now we can't do what we really could do if we were all speaking the same thing. And so God wants to heal that in our hearts and in our churches and in the church of the living God. Now, I want to get to the main thing and make the main thing today the main thing and finish up in the next few minutes. The power of one. And this is my last point today. Really, it's where we, we could start and probably should start, but I wanted to let you know and kind of bring you down, uh, bring you in, into somewhat of an organized form to get you to how the Lord brought this to me. Because we have to have a power of, of unity and oneness in many, many areas. But it starts in a very strong, strong place and this is what the word of God I'm gonna go back to that little different scripture text that I was reading to you a while ago and they're gonna put it back up there now Thomas called the twin one of the twelve was not with him when Jesus came the other disciples therefore said to him we have seen the Lord so he said to them unless I see his hand and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side I'm not gonna believe but after eight days, his disciples were again. They said, Jesus has been here. So there, and, and Thomas was, was not there with them. But this time, Thomas is there. And he says, the disciples, after eight days, were again inside the room. And Thomas was with them. Jesus came to the door, and the door being shut, but he didn't open the door. He walked through, came through the door in the midst. And there's a lot of things I'd like to say about that. But he said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger. The very thing that Thomas had said to his fellow disciples, Jesus is repeating it. It's as if he was there. 
Did you know you can be there and not be there at the same time? Be there in spirit and, yeah, mm -hmm. okay, but, but there's a negative part of that that I want to share with you. But Jesus did already know what Thomas was thinking because his spirit knew. And he said to him, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my God and my Lord. He appears. Now, one of the 12 has been missing. But Jesus comes back after eight days. And we know that eight days means um, a new beginning. It also means more than that. As I was studying this and realized what eight means, eight has another connotation. Do you remember after eight days, they would bring the children uh, they would bring them back to be circumcised on the eighth day. Do you all remember that? So as I, I looked at this in Scripture and began to dig up, I found out that Thomas himself even meant the fleshly one, meaning the circumcision was to be cut at the flesh, the foreskin. And in spiritually, circumcision is to, for the flesh to be cut. And that is not a part that any of us want to talk about. Hang on. See, you didn't know I was going here, did you? I know you didn't. Hang on. So here's, here is Thomas. And Thomas is a twin. And Thomas is representing to us today the fleshly thing that sometimes is out of control. Now, everybody in here has that twin. Just saying. You know that psychologists even tell us that there are two people in all, in all of you. Not me, but you know, there's two. <laughs> Paul said it like this, and I found this scripture when I was reading that, what psychologist says. Paul said it like this. Of course, he said, when I want to do good, evil is present. My twin is present with me. He comes along, tagging along. Basically, the other me, you know, the other kind of me. But he said it like that. That, like this, that which I would do, I do not. Oh, wretched man that I am who should deliver me from me. Okay, here is my deal. Some of you are already going ahead, so I'm going to state it, then I'll build on it. The problem is we're not one with the Spirit in ourselves. That's where the deep root issue of, of divisiveness stems from because we got this other twin that when we, the ideal person is the image that I portray, that I got it all together and I am that and a bag of chips, baby. But, the, but the, the other me, the twin, is the one that right before I walked in, I was smiling and, whoo, how you doing? Oh, God, I am, I am blessed and highly favored of God today. Hallelujah. Of course, on the way here, I, you know, absolutely told my husband, everything and called him every name that he wasn't including good looking I didn't call him that or great one or my, mm -hmm, you know but I am blessed and highly favored because there's this division there is this twin that always comes alongside and that's the one in God and there is something inside of me I've watched it over and over there is so one day with this and one day with this and, and one day with this and the Lord has been talking to me about that because we cannot be a divided people. We have to know, oh, Renee, then you mean we never struggle with that inner? Oh, of course we do. But we don't let it divide the oneness that is inside of us. We can never, ever allow it to divide the truth of God's Word. And it may only last a few seconds, but it ain't going to come a whole person that I'm having to wag along every single day. I'm wagging my twin along. And God's, God's doing more than saying that, look, I, 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 he came back for Thomas after eight days. I'm telling you, God will come back, and he will do what he needs to do to just get one person, no doubt about it, to pull one person in. But, but what transcends that is God is so far us getting a hold of this thing that we don't live with this inner struggle continually to such a degree that at times we feel like we're multi-personages. 
Y'all know I'm talking to you. I see heads going and people bumping like this. Y'all know this is where we are. This is where I see. Thomas, you know, I know. I, he, and one thing that bothered me about this and has for years is I've always felt a little sorry for Thomas. And when you realize that he's a twin and if you want to make it, and I, this could be a stretch biblically, but I, I know that the principle is so well defined in the word. I am using it for clarity today. But I, I will tell you, I get a little aggravated that they call Thomas the doubter when we have no case of him ever doubting before. But people want to define you by one thing you did. In 37 years, and you're going to be defined by that the rest of your life. Oh, I'm so glad God is my judge. I'm so glad you're not. I'm so glad I'm not. I'm so glad that he doesn't define me by one thing. But he defines me how he sees me. He said, I'll go back and I'll get Thomas and I'll get him. And I'll find him because he's got to believe. He's got to get that twin. He's got to get that other part of him that doesn't believe in the right place and in the right situation. Jesus somehow is concerned about the fact that today we are so, so divided in our thoughts. And the enemy has made sure of it because he knew if we would divide against ourselves. There's another scripture says, a house divided. Now, we've always made that, you know, where that's a family. And it is that. But it's more than that. Let's go to the deepest core of it because the Word of God says that we are the house. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And if this house is divided, me and Randy ain't going to be in agreement. And, you, and we're not going to be in agreement with this church. And my Lord Jesus, we have so many, so many multifaceted divisiveness as divisivenesses that's going on among us. And God is saying, oh, I came back. This is a new beginning. Yes, it's the new beginning. It's the eighth day, but I want to cut away. I want to make you one person. I don't want you always feeling that, oh, frustration because one part of you is over here. Woo! You can take on the world, and we can take this city next week. We'll have Beaumont knowing what God is all about. And then somebody, the other part of it saying, yeah, how you going to do that? You barely paid the rent this week. I'm, I, I know I'm really getting vulnerable with you now, but this is exactly the thing that God has been hammering in my spirit for the last three months. I've been studying and praying and believing for a revelation that can get us out of where we are. And it starts right here. God wants us complete. He wants us whole. He wants us to deal with the divisiveness that's in us and the other person that's continually you know, I know, I know that I've got these clothes on, and I know that I'm the person wearing these shoes, but there's another person back there that, Lord, let me have it before I walked in here today. Y'all know what I mean? And somehow, you're not, so why do we deal with insecurities? Why do we deal with it continually, intimidation, never really believing we're all that God called us to be? Because we haven't dealt with it in our own heart. We're looking outside to somebody else to fix it. When God said, I came back, and I'll come back for the audience of one. I'll come back just for you. I probably wouldn't come back and re-preach this message today. But Jesus came back and said, look, I'll tell you again. If you will put your hand in my side right here. And here's what I want to say. And this is what I said to myself as I'm going through this message. And, and is that I so believe in coming into agreement with the word of God. But it's not enough for the, the real me. It's not, I mean, uh, or the ideal me are the image of me to come into the Word and just speak the Word. Why do things not change? I thought if we spoke the Word that, oh, things could happen. Well, because sometimes the ideal you is speaking the Word, but the real you, 
is back here doubting it. And God is saying, oh, Renee, and I believe in altar invitations, and I believe in times where we come down and recommit and re-envision and get our heart together and pull ourselves into agreement with the Word of God and submit ourselves unto the Lord, and the devil will have to flee. And there are times that I, I just have to go to the altar and re, and it can be in your home, it can be in your house, but corporately it's right here where we do official business. But today, I, I had a, another feeling at about 2 o'clock this morning. I sat up. I'd gone to bed about 1, and so I guess I wasn't soundly asleep. But I sat up, and I literally saw myself. And I, and I said to myself, no way. Are you going to just go by yourself? You're going to get that other twin of yours, and you're going to jerk her up by the arm today, and y'all both going to go down there, and y'all are going to put your hand in the hand of those nail prints, and together you're going to surrender yourself to God. Sur together you're going to declare that, hey, here's the deal. I tell you, Jesus didn't die for, so that part of me didn't believe in him. He died so that all of me can believe in him and believe in his word. There is a spirit of divisiveness that is destroying our world. It's destroying our nation. It's destroying our schools, our homes, our families, our churches. And it begins in the twin, the other person that we deal with. And God is saying, I want to make you one. I want I want to make you one and the same. I want to make you whole. I want to make you complete. You were worth dying for, and I've come back for you. I want you. Would you stand with me? I've jumped to the end of my message because I really do want to do something today that is going to get you to hear and get past all the issues Get past the issues of racial prejudice, of gender prejudice, of, of um, socioeconomic prejudice. Get past all the political correctness or incorrectness and divisiveness that's taking place and stop the blame and get back to the first thing that I, let you, uh, that I told you that Jesus said. This is what I want you, if I have reconciled myself, you, I did everything so I could reconcile you back to me. I know that you were born in iniquity and shaped in sin, but I want you to know that I died so that you can be reconciled with me. But it is not important enough yet for us to deal with all those issues one by one by one until we have first dealt with this one. We got to deal with this one. We got to get our heart in mind and we got to speak what the word says. And it no longer can just be the thing we say, it's got to be the thing we be. It's not the ideal thing to say and the spiritually church correctness thing to say. It's got to be the real me saying it together. I got to bring my twin along with me and say today, Today, we're coming into agreement. No longer are you going to intimidate me by fear. Shut up, sit down. You're never having that in my life again, ever. You are not going to cause divisiveness. It's not enough for me to just have it in my head. i got to get my spirit connected. My soul and my spirit have got to come together. And we've got to speak one. Oh, the power of one. The power of one. Just one. Would you close your eyes with me? I'm going to give this service in a minute back to our host. But I want to do something that sometimes I don't always do. You know, you can't be a public success and a private failure. Listen to me. Let me just speak my heart a minute. Jesus says, I want you to be whole. I want you to be one. I want you to be complete. Jesus has come back today for the other part of you so that you can be whole.
if you're possessed with fear, with jealousy, low self-esteem, you cannot be what he's called you to be. I don't know about you, but I've often said, one of these is in trouble, either the ideal me or the real me, but one's in trouble. And God's come back to get the one in trouble back on the right track. This is a place, in order for us to do that, to be the called out one, the healed ones, the reconciling ones, there cannot be this divisiveness that causes all the insecurities. Before we even understand the principle of where two or three touch and agree, where two or three agree touching any one thing, you better get an agreement with that other part of you that tries to tell you that it isn't. They've got to be whole. Your spirit has got to connect to your body and your person, and you've got to come into wholeness and completeness with God. I know that every that Jesus paid a price, but you know, as you stand here today, as a shepherd and a pastor, I know that most of you, if not all of you, have paid a price to make yourselves available to other people in your life. Now, some of you may think that's easy, but they don't see the wounds in your hands. They don't see, they don't see the hurt and the pain and the rejection and the betrayal that you have had. I see it. I feel it. But here's what I want you to know. Your strength is in your wounds. Your strength is in your wounds. And I'm going to ask you now to do something that we rarely do in an altar invitation. But I'm going to ask you to join hands with some people beside you right now. Just join hands with them. Because we can't touch the real body of Christ. We aren't able to do that. No more than we can get down and wash his feet physically. Oh, but when you touch that body of Christ that is symbolic of his body that is standing next to you you are touching the body of Christ right now you are touching the one you are touching somebody right now that almost died you're touching somebody that almost said I can't do it anymore you're touching somebody right now that said I almost gave up you're touching somebody that fought with every ounce of strength within them to just stay in the fight. And I want you to pray in just a minute. I want you to pray, not for who they appear to be. I want you to pray for who they are. Their twin, somewhere in the room, somebody is in trouble. And I want you to pray in the next few minutes. I want you to pray for the real them, the thing that God, the real them that God has called to be a reconciler. I want you to pray for them. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds, and I want you to pray out loud. I want you to start praying in your spirit, and if you don't know how to pray, just pray that they'll be a good person. If you're an unbeliever, then pray with me, and something's going to happen in you. I want you to begin to pray right now for the person next to you. Begin to pray for what's upsetting them. If you don't know, let the spirit begin to bring things up to you. Pray what's troubling them. Pray for the anxiety. Pray for the fear. Pray for the doubt. Pray for the lust. Pray against the loneliness. Pray against the emptiness. You got about 30 more seconds. Bind the enemy. You've been, they've been fighting alone, but today they're going to get help. Today they're touching. You are touching a miracle right now. God, blow on them. Breathe your spirit on them. Leave no one untouched in this place today, Father. I thank you right now that you are setting them free. You are setting them free. You are making them whole. You are making them complete. You are making them whole. You got about five seconds. Keep praying over them. I'm telling you, you are touching somebody that has felt rejection, that has felt wounds in their life, and God wants to heal them and make them whole. Make them whole and complete in Him, in Him, in Him. Now throw your hands around somebody and give them a big hug and say, you can do it. 
said a lot of things. She said a lot of things that you and I ought to have something that we can chew on throughout the entire week. Something that ought to birth something new in your spirit. You know, for the last few weeks, we've had two powerful words on unity and how important it is that we are unified in the body of Christ. There's a lot of division, but there needs to be unity in this house. You know, your vision and my vision fits into the vision of this church. If your vision is not connected and not in the, the, the body or in this house, you need to maybe ask God to give you another vision. Because the vision of this house is working. The vision of this house is reaching people. It's effective. And sometimes, like Pastor Renee said, we have to give away of ourselves so that we can take on the work of God so that we can see the results. Amen? And the results is that we touch, save, and heal someone else's life. Amen? Amen. So what a powerful word we received this morning. And I hope that that word would burst something in your spirit and that you and I can work together to becoming one in this body. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Renee. You may be seated in the house this morning. Once again, I would just like to say a special welcome to all of our guests. Thank you for coming. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that God spoke to you this morning. This time I want to encourage you in your giving. So if you would, would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 8, 6 through 8. And it reads, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What Paul is saying is that the amount of your harvest will be determined by the amount that you give. That's good news for some people. That's bad news for the other. But let me, let me encourage you in this. You have a promise from God. And God says that if you'll meet the needs of his house first, if you'll take care of this house, he said that he'll take care of your business. And if God gets involved in your business, Trust me, you'll have more than enough to take care of your business. So take care of his house first. It reads on in, in, in verse 7. So let each one give as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each believer should give as he purposes in his heart. We should give freely and cheerfully, not out of compulsion, are of regret. You know, when you give to the house of God, it shouldn't be that you gave 
because you felt pressured to give or that when you give that you regret that you gave it. But you ought to give freely and cheerfully, thanking God that you had that you may be able to give. But once again, it goes back to first fruits. Take care of him. Give him his first. I know for a fact I'm going to have because I have a promise from God. I got a promise in the word. He's going to take care of me. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have in all sufficiency all things and that, that you may have an abundance for every good work. If we give, God is able to give more to us so that we can perform good works. God sees it that the generous giver will not suffer because God provides for those that give generously. You know, I have a few relatives in, 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 in my family that no matter how much they give, they always seem to have more to give. And it's because they have a spirit of giving. They have a generous heart. And as they continue to meet the needs of others, God always meets their need. So I encourage you, be a cheerful giver. Be generous and watch God do mighty things through your life. Because what it does, what, what giving does, guys, it, it breaks selfishness. As you and I continue to give, it breaks that selfishness. It breaks that self-centeredness inside that says, well, I should be doing this with my money. I, mean, I could have bought this. or I could." It breaks that spirit. And when it breaks that spirit, you can be able to give generously. Amen? Amen. At this time, let's hold our offerings to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come this morning, Lord God, and we bring our tithe and offerings to you this morning. And Father, we ask that you would bless these tithe and these offerings, Father, that it would be multiplied to meet every need that you have in this house. Father, we also ask, Lord God, that you would bless those that have been faithful to give unto your kingdom. Father, I ask that, Father, that you would make sure that they would have more than enough for every good work and that their hands would prosper in all good things. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen and praise God. Ushers, you may assist us at this time. And also, guests, those cards that I, t I told you about, it will be, this is the time that I we would have you to put those in those buckets. And let us go to the screens for TCN. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day at Triumph, and we're so glad you're here. Fall life teams have started, but it's never too late to join in. If you're not in a life team, then you're missing out. Stop by our Life Team Hub in the foyer and catch up on the exciting world of Life Teams. Meet our friendly pastors and listen to life-changing testimonies on our big screen TV. At Triumph, we believe in reaching out to the people hurting in our community. This month, we want to help the local women's shelter build up their library selection with educational books. These books that are needed should be Christian-based books about emotional healing, God's love, rejection, relationships, the mind, or offenses. These ladies need our support. If you have any books to donate to the Women's Shelter, you can drop them off at the Connect Desk this month. And finally, ladies, you deserve a beach break. Our annual beach retreat is November 12th through the 14th. Enjoy long walks and worship on the beach and great fellowship. This luxurious getaway is yours, only if you register today at the Connect Desk. Space is limited, so don't wait. Well, that's all for TCN.